Drink eight glasses of water a day. Calories in, calories out. A low-fat diet is a healthy diet. Saturated fat is the cause of heart disease. Coffee raises blood pressure. Eat whole grains for a healthy heart. The question still remains, what foods should we eat to achieve and maintain good health? Health expert Vinny Tortorich gives us the history behind America's biggest diet myths. We learn about Charlie Abrams, who suffered from epileptic seizures for years, with no option other than surgery and pills until his dad discovered the secret that would help his son, a ketogenic diet. We'll hear the story of a doctor in Australia who had his medical license revoked when he started telling patients to eat a low-sugar diet. And the McKenzie family, who took control of their son's diabetes by taking control of his diet. Hi, I'm Heather Grayson, writer, producer, and director who craves passion in filmmaking, and documentarians are just that. I write fiction, but I love to watch the truth. My name is B.C. Wayman. I'm an actor, a writer, an entertainer, all sorts of creative endeavors. But what I love most? Being a storyteller. It's why I love documentaries. They're extraordinary stories from everyday, extraordinary people. This is Behind the Doc. Today, we are behind the scenes with Fat, a documentary. We are joined by the producer and star of the film, Vinnie Tortorich. We're in a war for information, and the fallout affects all of us. The media is just going to sell what people are going to buy. And if people knew the truth, they would know what to ask for. My name is Vinnie Tortorich, and I've been in the health and fitness game for the better part of 40 years, specializing in weight loss. Over the years, I've seen everything come and go at least 100 times. But as a country, we've only gotten fatter. So before we get started, Vinnie, I just want to tell you, after watching Fat, which I did uh, late last week, and I've seen it two times now, watching it, about four years ago, I watched a documentary, King Corn, if you're familiar with it, that really changed my life. When I watched that, I realized how much in that time, like how much corn we were ingesting. And I was going through a period of my life where I was 250 pounds. I was a heavy smoker, a heavy drinker, really unhappy and had a, had a mild heart attack and watched that documentary and said, I need to change my life, right? Change my lifestyle. And that's what I was reminded again, watching fat recently is this can help someone change their lifestyle, not just their diet, but their lifestyle. So is that what you kind of set about to do when you decided to make this film? No, I didn't kind of do anything. I was very deliberate in my, <laughs> in my doing. <laughs> the reason I say that is because we see all these films, and over the years, I would see things like uh, Cowspiracy or Forks Over Knives and all these movies. And once the internet got popular, these people, you know, these movies got popular. People were like, wait a minute, aren't we killing ourselves by eating meat? And I'm like, no, uh, uh, no, that's not the truth. <laughs> they're taking bad science and they're, they're putting it in the forefront and making it look like real science. I guess a couple of things happened in a row. I wrote a book eight years ago. I put it out seven years ago. But the year before I put the book out, someone told me I needed to be popular on the internet, so I started a podcast. <laughs> and by the way, the week before I started a podcast was the first time I heard the word podcast. Well, that's what happens. Yeah, I, someone said, you should be doing a podcast. And I said, well, what is that? And they said, well, you used to do radio, so you can do a podcast, right? And I, I was like, uh, I don't even know what the words coming out of your mouth right now. I'm not really sure what they are. <laughs> 
but one week later, I had a podcast, and this was before everybody and their brother had a podcast. I started doing the podcast. It was called the uh, America's Angriest Trainer Podcast because I was yelling about all the injustice. You know, the, the tagline was, your good intentions have been stolen. I'm here to help you get them back. That went on for a year, and once the podcast started getting traction and I guess we had about 100,000 people a month paying attention at that point. We put the book out, Fitness Confidential. So now we had these two things going on, the book and the podcast. And the book ended up being this crazy bestseller, which was way beyond anything I could have ever dreamed of. You know, here we are seven years later, and this is a testament to when you write the truth. And it sounds like I'm being grandiose and I'm patting myself on the back and I'm really not doing that. Be grandiose. Come on. It's all right. No, no. Look, the book is seven years old now and it still sells like hotcakes over on Amazon. And I was like, oh my God, people are still buying this thing, you know? And it's because the book tells the truth. I went and wrote a 27-page PDF that's been living on my website. It's there because it's stuff I wish I would have put in the book. So that's the kind of community, I'm telling you this for a reason, that's the kind of community I was trying to build, of just giving people the truth. I, I did want to ask, just because with with making this film, it looks like you used Indiegogo. And as a filmmaker myself, how was that experience for you? I We saw the credits, we saw how many people helped to contribute to this. What was it that you were doing particularly with Indiegogo, and how are you marketing it out to make the film? Well, if you want the truth, I'm going to have to lie. Okay. Um, <laughs> I thought we just did a whole dialogue about know, how we what? have to tell the truth and not lie. <laughs> well, you know, everyone wants to know what that magic was. Well, first off, when Peter Pardini, you know, Peter Pardini is this great writer and director in Hollywood. He's a young guy. And the guy ran into me walking. I, was, I do the Adam Carolla's podcast. When it comes to the core issues and the ones that just affect everything, such as family or such as diet. Well, one day I'm giving my seat up to the next person and the guy whispers to me, hey man, I'm a big fan. And I'm looking and I said, thank you. And I left the studio and I was like, who is that guy? I don't, he's not Jeff Goldblum. He's not Howie Mandel. <laughs> he's not, he's not someone I recognize. You know, he's just he's a some producer. guy who says, yeah, he, he's a film guy, right? Right. I literally listened to the show the next day to find out who this guy was. And he even talked about it on the show. He goes, I'm a big fan of Vinny's. Uh, you know, I've been following what he recommends on his podcast and on this show. And he had lost like 80 pounds or something like that. So I looked him up. His name is Peter Pardini. I looked him up and I went, oh, he's got a great movie out there about the band Chicago. And I'm 57 years old. At the time, I was 55, and I went, I grew up with Chicago. You know, it's like, that's the best band in the world, you know? And so I watched the documentary, and after the documentary, I got his number from the Adam Carolla people, and, and I, I just sent him a simple text and said, hey, man, it's uh, Vinny. I loved your movie. And um, he, called, he called me back almost immediately. I invited him on to my podcast, now called the Fitness Confidential Podcast. And he came on. And uh, he was this great guest. And when he was leaving my little studio, he goes, hey, man, why don't you do a documentary? And I said, Peter, I'm not a documentary guy. I just, that's not what I do. 
And he goes, yeah, but I can, I can edit everything. I can do it all, you know, and you, you just have to do what you do on a podcast and just talk into a mic. And I said, he, he wouldn't let it go. So I said, I'll tell you what, where do we get the money from this? No one's going to give me the money. And he said, do Indiegogo. And that's when I realized I would never have to do the movie. I went, nobody's going to give me money just by me asking for the money. So I came up with a crazy high price of $150,000 because I figured if we didn't get that amount of money, there was no way we can do a documentary. Well, we ended up getting over a quarter of a million dollars. It's amazing. When you get into that filmmaking process and you have this six months, the film has a couple of different angles that's working, right? We have a couple of different, we have doctors and we have scientists. We have some personal stories on how it affects people's lives, whether it's the McKenzie family and the Abrams family. And then we have your kind of narration at the fireplace. How did you think about all these scenes? Did you have one idea like the narration and then we add it together? Like what was that creative process between you two like while you were filming? You know, it's very interesting because we sat down, literally some people would say we went to the woodshed, but I went into my shed in Woodland Hills and Peter came in there with, it was a hundred degrees and we sat there and he was sweating. We were sweating in the shed and uh, he wrote notes and I talked and I said, we should have this and we should have that and we need to get this person and that person. So we came up with a dream list of people we wanted to have. I went with the story of Dr. Gary Fetke from um, Tasmania and what happened to him because, you know, the truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah, why don't you uh, fill them in real quick because we read that story, but can you tell us real quick how he got basically Australian, I don't know what the official name is at the medical board, the Australian Health and Practitioner Regulation Agency kind of put a stop to him telling people to eat less sugar, right? That's it in a nutshell, which sounds ridiculous. I started talking to my patients about reducing sugar and the benefits were immediate. He's an orthopedic surgeon. His job was to chop people's limbs off because they were getting type 2 diabetes, and of course, your legs will rot, your feet will rot. Which was an amazing scene, by the way. Yeah, I, I, you know, I said, you know, we can't just tell the story. I have to show an amputation happening. I used to see the occasional person who needed diabetic foot ulcer management and, and needing an amputation, and it started becoming virtually weekly. There's something which really upsets me, and that's when you actually amputate someone's limb, there's a sound of actually dropping that leg into a bucket. We literally sat there, Peter and me, because we had to get the sound of, of the limb dropping into a bucket just right. We worked... You did we that must well. Have worked, yeah, three hours on that. And, um, you know, just like... Floomp. But, you know, Gary Fetke was, was saving people's limbs by saying, look, you know, we can turn your type 2 diabetes around if you just cut out sugar and grains. And he was healing people without doing surgery. Well, the dietitians of Australia, which runs that part of Tasmania, said, no, 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 no. We don't want you saving people's lives and saving their limbs. We want you to tell them to eat all the sugar they can, and uh, you just go ahead and start chopping people's legs off. Well, he didn't stop doing that, so they took his medical license. Now, I don't know if we had anything to do with it, but sometime after he, you know, word got out that he was in our movie and that we were doing the whole expose on it in the movie, somehow he magically got reinstated. So they gave him his license back. See? Working miracles already. And then we had this dream list of doctors, and I knew this convention was coming up. 
So we went down to San Diego and literally we got about half of them in San Diego. I took a whole film crew from Hollywood. They just did everything, right? And uh, we turned that that room into a soundstage. The bathroom was the, the audio village and the balcony was the video village. And we had a whole film crew in there, director of photography, photographer, lights, cameras, everything. And we got about half of our doctors in San Diego to sit down. And when they walked into that room, they thought they were going to walk into a room and see like a, um, a cell phone hooked to a tripod or something. When they walked in, like it got real for a lot of these doctors. And they were like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. What did we sign up for? It's like, you're in the movie. I mean, it's a great way to keep your budget down too, though, right? Set them all into one spot, like as opposed to chasing and, you know, you're working on a tight budget here, even though you did really well with your Indiegogo, to have yeah. them in one spot to versus chasing them around the country or around the world. You got a lot of all over the globe experts in one spot. I mean, that's a great tip for budget, cheap budgeted filmmaking, right? Yeah, look for the convention where they're going to all be. And then the second group came to my house. We had two sets set up in my house. We changed out my curtains and put up those curtains you see for where I'm sitting. So in one section of my living room, we set up that side as my set. But then when that chair was removed, we rolled tracks in there and just put the camera on tracks where we can you know, pull in and pull out. And we got everyone else. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. And we were already in the editing process, and I got this call or an email from this woman, Mackenzie, and I was like, who are you? What do you want? And she was like, yeah, we want to give money to your movie because we're doing our own movie. And I said, like, well, why do you want to give money to my movie? And she, she said, well, if we could be in your movie, maybe that will help us finish our movie. Maybe we could get more funding. She said, look, before we do anything else, let me show you what we have. And she sent me a little 20-minute clip of what they were doing on type 2 diabetes. I'm sorry, on juvenile diabetes, type 1. And her husband was also a surgeon. We both concluded that we were going to make drastic changes in our diet, reducing carbohydrate intake. Shortly thereafter, we were told that we didn't need to do that, that we could feed our son, recently diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, whatever he wanted to eat. I'm trusting these people who are now in charge of caring for my son, and they're telling me, give him pancakes and give him french fries and cupcakes and pizza, because now that your kid has this disease, his life is pretty crummy already. And the worst thing you could do as a parent is to try and change his food. They were controlling their kid's insulin to a much lower level, because type one you can't get rid of, type one diabetes. But their kid was not having these wild swings and they didn't have to use the the very expensive quick acting stuff and all that. They were able to just give this kid regular insulin, you know, and small amounts of it. 
And during that appointment, our, our very kind-hearted doctor looked at me and told me my son was going to resent me for the rest of his life, that this way of eating is not sustainable, that I'm subjecting my son to an eating disorder, and he also handed me a business card to go see a therapist um, because he thought maybe I was struggling with some things and had some issues for wanting to do this for my son and to change his diet. When I saw their 20 minutes, I tell every, I dare everyone to watch that 20 minutes, and if you don't cry, you're not human. You are not human. They wanted to go and take some of these parents and, and take the kids away because these parents were taking the kids off of sugar to control the amount of insulin they would have to give them, and these kids were just thriving. And I, I swear to God, I, I cried at least twice watching that 20 minutes. Which is crazy because you think you think as a, as a parent, you are the ultimate decision maker for your child, whether, you know, it's their diet or their the meds that they're using. I mean, women out there, men out there who are completely against vaccinations, you know, they're allowed to make that choice. They might get a little bit of flack for it, but they're still allowed to make that choice. So oh, it's but Heather, so Heather, sad. Heather. Oh, no. We are living... We are living in an all woke, no joke society. That's true. And you know, if you, <laughs> come on, <laughs> you're talking crazy talk over I, there. Right I am. Now. I know. Yeah. It's frustrating as a parent to see, you know, Charlie and to see these doctors talking about these kids. The seizures increased in intensity and in duration. He wound up having seizures in the arms of the chief of pediatric neurology at Boston Children's Hospital, Seattle Children's Hospital, UCLA, LA Children's Hospital. So we tried all the drugs that were available at the time. Uh, Charlie had a brain surgery, a horrendous brain surgery, and nothing really stopped his seizures. And we lost hope. We were basically told there is no hope. I started researching pediatric epilepsy. One of the first things that came up was a ketogenic diet. Well, let's dig into that. The lifestyle that you talk about, and I, by the way, I love the term lifestyle versus diet because I do think it's more than just the food you eat. It's a whole mental set. You uh, very much, you know, you promote the NSNG, no sugar, no grains lifestyle. What is that like compared to, say, keto or the carnivore diet, which is big? Like, how is no sugar, no grains? Is it the same thing, essentially? Is there a difference between keto and the carnivore diet and all these meat-heavy protein or fat-heavy diets versus a lot of grains and sugar and veggies and fruits? Well, the reason I promote NSNG is because, well, let's be honest, I own, <laughs> I own the, <laughs> right. uh, the trademark. You know, I, well, good I don't for you, like by to, the way. Yeah, I don't like to BS people. And the reason I came up with No Sugars, No Grains is you got to remember eight years ago when I was writing that book, I didn't want to use words like keto back then. I know that sounds crazy today because now you can buy a glass of orange juice that's going to have keto written on the side of it. <laughs> yes, that's the first thing from keto. See, up to, say, two or three hundred years ago, the average consumption of sugar in this country was about four pounds a year. And that's splendid. I'd be very happy if everybody had four pounds of sugar a year. They eat a hundred pounds. But I was trying to soft sell eating lower amounts of sugars, you know, and starches. So I came up with no sugars, no grains, and SNG. And, you know, now keto is, you know, you're going to live in dietary ketosis. Now, I personally live in dietary ketosis because I had cancer at one time. I had leukemia. So I oh, find wow. this better just to stay in ketosis. 
in order not to get that back. And, and by the way, it's working like a charm because my cancer was supposed to reappear after five years and I'm 12 years out. If I'm breaking every record for the, you know people who have had the, the leukemia that I have, that I've gone past five years, I've gone past 10 years, and now I'm heading towards 15, and they can't find the leukemia coming back, don't you think medicine would be curious to, to go, wait a minute, what's this guy doing? They don't care. Well, that's because they're not going to make money off of pills and radiation. Right. Yes. Ex- exactly. You know, so that's that's how keto is, you know, keto is, is, is very low carb where your body just generally lives on ketones. Atkins is the same way. The way NSNG is different is that it's flexible. The first time I figured out the whole low carb thing was I was taking, I was doing a lab with a girl named um, Lisa. And, you know, it, we were doing a lab and we had a couple of our track stars from the university in the lab. And you ever see the Gatorade commercial where they have, every, you know, you're on a treadmill and they got the thing in your mouth and yeah. all the oh, wires hooked to you? Know, I was thinking Dolph yeah. Lundgren training in Rocky Four, right? That whole thing where, like, Rocky's, like, slinging pigs and he's, like, training with the big, like, Star Wars face mask on and mm-hmm. they're, like, pushing him harder. That's what I think of, yes. It, 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 that's what we were doing. And we were checking, we were doing VO2 max or something like that. And, you know, we were pricking the guy. You know, people don't realize you're also taking blood, you're taking sections the whole time to um, figure out, you know, when we get him to the red line. We left the lab. I left with Lisa and we were sitting on this bench right outside of the university, you know, on, on the bench and we were having lunch. We were having a sandwich and when we were done, she had a small bag of M&M's. Now, I'm 57 years old. M&M's used to come in a tiny bag, not these extra king-size, super-duper bags you get now. So she took some out and poured some in her hand, and she handed them to me, and I poured some in my hand, and out of curiosity, I looked at the back, and I said, "Um, huh. And she said, huh, what? I said, huh, there's 187 calories or 168 calories or something like that in this small bag of M&Ms. She said, yeah, so. I said, I don't know if you noticed, we just had a track star that we kept at red line for like 26 minutes and he barely got to 125 calories, right? Like We couldn't even get this guy to 200 calories. He didn't even work off this bag of M&Ms. And she said, okay, so what? I said, so everything, calorie in, calorie out, can't possibly work. And she was like, but that's the way it works. I said, no, it can't, it can't work that way. There's no way. And that was the beginning of my journey. <laughs> well, that's great because that's one of, the, uh, one of the many myths you have in there, right? Calorie in, calorie out. Because it would seem if you're going to eat that bag of M&Ms that you should be able to burn it off. But you're saying it's not so much calorie in, calorie out. You really, it's hard to burn off the calories in, it sounds like. Well, Think of it this way. You have a car, BC? Yes. What kind of car do you have? Honda Accord, 2018. Does it have an electric engine or is it just gas? Nah, it's just gas. I haven't hopped that hybrid train yet. Okay. If you take it down the street and you keep running it and you don't go to the gas station, you just keep running it, eventually it runs out of gas, right? Correct. Okay. Can you coerce that car to keep going down the street unless you get out of it and push it? Oh, I have begged sometimes, please make it another five feet, but no, it will not. How much I beg, please make it to the gas station. There are times when you just don't make it quite there. Right. But if you don't make it to the gas station, you're hoofing it, right? Mm. Well, 
calorie in, calorie out is asking your body to run out of energy and then keep going. Isn't that the craziest thing you've ever heard? When you say it that way, it does sound yeah, like, does. duh. <laughs> yeah. He, you put everyone, it in a way that I understand, and wow, okay. It's really that simple. Is there any alcohol? Is someone who, like, I have these two deliciously cold IPAs in my fridge that are probably about 1,000 calories each, and I know I shouldn't have them, and I may still, Vinny, but is there any alcohol? If you're going to take away people's sugar and grains, is there any kind of alcohol? Is vodka okay? Is that kind of keto-friendly? It's not kind of keto-friendly. It's keto-friendly all the way around. Um, oh, okay. So... IPAs have more carbohydrates. Basically, you're drinking, you know, <laughs> you're a loaf drinking of bread. pasta. Yeah, you're yeah, drinking a loaf, a loaf of bread. Of bread. It's right. delicious pasta, though, to drink. It's really, yeah. it's way yeah. better than spaghetti, let's be honest. I, I could go on on the subject all We might have to do another show. I think we do. <laughs> but yeah, because I yeah. wanted to get to your love of coffee, which I love, and how it doesn't and raise I blood pressure. And I really wanted to know if you went out with Cher. Cher is on the phone. Cher, uh, my name is Vinny Tortorich. <laughs> I want to say this in front of the whole country. Is the camera on me? Yeah, camera's Share. on. Share. I, I live in Beverly Hills. Let's get together and have lunch. I'll have my agent call your agent, and we'll do it because we'll have a great time. Never went out with Share, and yes, Dang. I do love coffee. I have a company called PureCoffeeClub.com. Go check it out. The movie, Fat, a documentary. First, it, it ended up on iTunes. You know, it was on iTunes and Amazon at the beginning, and uh, Vimeo and a few other places. So the first thing it did was it started climbing with no money. We had no money to advertise this movie. It climbed to the top of iTunes. It beat out Free Solo, you know, which was topping the charts at the time. We beat Free Solo. We stayed in the number one position on iTunes for God only knows how long. We made it to like number six or seven on their overall iTunes movie list. I could do another whole movie with what we left on a cutting room floor. So we're considering that. You know, we we put 90 minutes out. We could have made it a three-hour movie, but it would have been like the Irishman and no one would vote for it. You know, we have that much more. There's another whole story I can tell about other stuff that these scientists and these doctors were talking about that would literally blow your mind. It would blow your mind. Well, I... Uh I hope to get. Here's what uh, we have to wrap up. But I do hope. I do hope we get that second podcast because we want to hear your thoughts on the future and where we go. But we thank you, Vinny, for joining us. You are, you know, a, a personal trainer, a public speaker, a podcaster, a best-selling author, and now a filmmaker. Congratulations, sir. You can thank check you. Vinny out at vinnytortorich.com. Follow him on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. His book, Fitness Confidential, Adventures in the Weight Loss Game, as well as, of course, Fat, a documentary. Thank you for joining us, Vinny. Keep preaching this lifestyle, getting people out there, getting people healthy. And we look forward to see what comes next from you, sir. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you so much, Vinny. It was a pleasure. If you think it's up to government, you're wrong. If you think it's up to industry, you're wrong. It's up to you. And if you're going to make a change, if you're watching this, change right now, tonight. Behind the Dock is produced by Evergreen Podcast in association with Gravitas Ventures. Special thanks to executive producers Nolan Gallagher and Michael D'Aloya. Produced by Sarah Wilgrub and audio engineer Eric Coltmau. And you'll find us everywhere and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts.
Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dino Tripodis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, Yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? (laughs) The Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.